Hi, everyone. Welcome to worship today. It's uh, May 31st, which is, of course, the last weekend in May, but it's also Pentecost Sunday on the Christian calendar. We've been celebrating the work of the Holy Spirit, talking about the fruit of the Spirit, which God will cultivate in our lives. And we started with love, of course, and then last week was joy. And today we want to talk about peace. Just before we get into our passage of scripture today, I just want to uh, give you this announcement that beginning next week, the first weekend in June, we will continue online for our weekend services here at Union Chapel. We're going to do that all the way through the month of June. Let me help you just get some perspective. Uh, Our number one priority is to keep everyone safe. That's always been our first and foremost goal. And we think this is the best way to do it, to stay online. Uh, the second reason is that we, we want to model leadership, not just for ourselves at Union Chapel, but we also want to model for other churches who may be looking to us for some direction in this way and maybe lead even in our larger community in some way. So we want to be effective models of how to care for one another well. And then the third reason is because of the quality of the services. And we think about opening our services, and we could. We're permitted to right now in a limited way. We'd have to check people at the door, and folks would have to wear masks, and we'd be socially distant, which when you do the math actually reduces our meeting spaces by 80%. No children's programming, probably no singing because of the exposure that creates. All kinds of limitations to the quality of the experience. And so we just think... We're doing such a great job online, and so many of you are feeding back so positively that we'll just continue to do online until it's uh, much more safe to gather on our campus. So I hope you understand that. Thank you for your understanding and your prayers, and we're going to do this together, and we're going to do it by loving each other the best we can. So thank you for that. Again, now our text is found in Galatians chapter 5. I want to read verses 22 to 26. I'm also going to read a couple of verses from John's gospel today, chapter 14, verses 26 and 27. Here's Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, And self-control against such things there is no law and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires since we live by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit let us not become conceited provoking and envying each other now over to John's gospel chapter 14 and verse 26 this is Jesus speaking now he said but the advocate the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. Now hear this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I hope you'll be inspired and comforted by these words today. Thanks so much. Uh, Jesus said in verse 27 of John's gospel, chapter 14, I give you peace. I want to leave with you my peace, not as the world gives. Now, how does the world give? Well, just in general, the world gives as it wants to. The world gives grudgingly, doesn't it? 
It gives partially. Uh, it kind of gives us leftovers. Uh, the world gives us things based on the world's needs and not based on our needs. Now, consider the difference between the way God gives. God gives fully. God gives without limitations. He gives thoroughly. Uh, God gives to us out of respect for our need and not necessarily in respect to his own needs. God gives generously. He gives liberally. He gives completely. God gives openly. And so here's what Jesus is saying, John's gospel, that he is giving to us fully, think of it, perfectly at the point of our need, peace. The peace of God. And that somehow that's connected to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, some of you are old enough to remember the peace movement. This was a social movement, political movement back in the 1960s and early 70s. Uh, we had peace symbols and vast marches. Uh, this was the age of flower children. Some of you, I'm talking to you, some of you right now, you, you know who I'm referring to. And there were beads and guitars and bell-bottom pants and bare feet, uh, the Woodstock Festival. Uh, all of that with the stated purpose of bringing peace on earth. Most of it in resistance to the Vietnam War, that, that, that horrible experience in history. And, and of course, many peace marches, peace marches ended in the destruction of both public and private property. And sometimes National Guard troops are called and tear gas employed and fire hoses and on occasion real bullets and the loss of human life. Could I just uh, summarize the peace movement wasn't really about peace. It's just another, another way to make, it, make, uh, make war and, and create conflict. It was another way to impose my opinion and get my own way. Uh, not a lot has changed. Had all the trappings of nonviolence, but in many cases, it was about as violent as a Vietnam jungle. Fast forward about as violent as an Iraqi bunker. Or fast forward all the way to contemporary culture and about as violent as an Antifa rally. All in the name of peace. Can we say it? We live in a turbulent, anxiety-ridden world. We do. Our world does not know peace. There is national and international strife, lots of finger-pointing now in the context of this pandemic, geopolitical upheaval in much of our world. Perhaps more importantly, there is very little personal peace in the hearts of human beings. There is very little personal peace internally. Not good. It's not a good thing. Never in American history have so many suffered emotional and psychological illnesses. If you ask doctors the types of medicines that they most frequently prescribe, they will tell you that they are mind-altering medications trying to somehow produce the effect of peace, rid ourselves of anxiety. If you ask uh, members of the psychological sciences who do therapy and clinical, clinical work, they will tell you, that there is, that there is an outbreak of mental illness and a lack of peace. Leading sales of drugs in America today have to do, I think, with that lack of peace. There's fear. This pandemic has created all kinds of fear of the future, fear of relationships, fear of our finances and what's going to become of us. Marriages are riddled with fear, doubts, unbelief, uncertainty, 
the, the quality of hope is absent. How do you know that the quality of hope is missing in today's marriages? Let me tell you, it's a very simple uh, observation. There are more people who cohabitate in, a, in the United States today than are actually married. A statistic which is really disappointing to me, but an indication that people have lost the quality of hope for a marriage that can last a lifetime. Self-destruction is rampant. Of course, during the pandemic, all of the hotlines, the counseling hotlines, the suicide hotlines have gone off the charts. Uh, the number one cause of death in American culture among teenagers is suicide. It's a lack of peace. There's something wrong with our corporate mentality, something wrong with our corporate heart. Deep inside, there's trouble. There's troubled hearts, troubled minds, troubled spirits, and we don't know what to do about it. In the contrast of all of that, Jesus said, I have come to bring you peace. Not as the world gives do I give you, but I give you peace. Now let's think about that. This isn't a peace treaty. This isn't merely a secession of shots fired. This isn't, uh, this isn't some agreement that we make that we're not going to be hostile toward one another anymore. In fact, peace treaties usually contain the seeds of the succeeding war. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come to give you life more abundantly. And so here we are. We live in a culture uh, where we wear nice watches and we drive wonderful cars and we live in, in warm and comfortable homes. And we have the finest pieces of, of clothing, all the material blessing that we could imagine. And yet much of our society is contemplating how to take their own lives. It's an astonishing period to be alive. Now let's think about the peace that Jesus offers us. This is the fruit of the spirit. And the, this fruit of the spirit is unique to all the other fruit. There are nine fruit of the spirit listed in Galatians 5. And peace is unique among them because each of the others have some kind of action that springs from it. For example, love is something I can be more of toward others. Or joy is something I can express in my worship, my rejoicing. Or patience is something I can be more of. I can be more kind, etc. Peace, though, and I'll put this on the screen for you. This is a good definition, I think. Peace, on the other hand, is a state of being. Now think about that. Peace is a state of the heart. It's an inner reality which is ministered to me. Uh, hear this, follow this, very important. Peace is that which God ministers to me. If I attempt to create it with anything other than the, the touch of God, I will fail. Can't be reproduced in any other way. So let's, uh, let's talk about the peace of God. Uh, this is on your outline, it's the first point, the peace of God. Let me just uh, read a verse to you. This is from Philippians chapter four, verse seven. It says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, follow that, transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, three insights here that help us with the definition of the peace of God. Number one is it passes understanding. In other words, it has nothing to do with circumstances or situations which are either positive or negative. It's not circumstantial peace. It is peace which cannot be comprehended by my natural logic. It's peace that passes understanding. 
Now, here's what I want to here's what I want to just suggest. If you've walked with Jesus any period of time and you have experienced a crisis, a trauma in your life, some season of really difficult days, you understand when I say peace that passes knowledge, peace that passes understanding. You get that. Because there are seasons in our lives when, you, when we are followers of Jesus that his peace is ministered to us in the midst of the worst possible situations. This is the worst day. This is the worst time, the worst season of my life. I can't explain it. I, I don't understand it. It's beyond my logical comprehension, but I'm experiencing the peace of God. It's an amazing gift. It's a wonderful thing. It passes understanding. The second thing is it keeps your heart and mind. It has about it a quality of preservation. It keeps us. Now think about that. I do not constantly, therefore, I do not constantly have to hold on to it or cling to it. The peace of God, I, mean, I just got to, I got to surround that because oh, it's so good. It's so helpful. So nice to have the peace of God. I just want to hold on to this. No, no, you can't do that. It actually keeps you. You don't keep it. It preserves you. You don't preserve it. It holds on to you. <laughs> you don't hold on to it. So it keeps your heart and your mind. Is that beautiful? This is a product, an understanding of God's peace. And then the third thing we learn from this verse is it's through Jesus Christ. So the key is to know that peace, that this peace that comes from God is of, it is through, it is in, and it is by Jesus Christ, watch now, and none other. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, why is it in Jesus and, and none other? It's because the peace of God is relative to the character of God. It is part of who God is. It's his nature to be at peace. Um, Isaiah 26, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Hebrews 13, God is the God of peace. 1 Corinthians 14, he is the author of peace. Hebrews 7, he is the king of peace. Isaiah 9, Jesus is the prince of peace. Now, so peace is at the very center of who God is. You can't imagine God pacing the floor, wringing his hands, um, concerned over some aspect of the universe. What, what do you mean there's a, a, a pandemic? It's global, a global pandemic? Oh, no. What am I going to do? This is, this is beyond my capacity. Listen, God does not need a counselor. God does not need a prescription. God does not need a rest. Let me tell you why. Because God is at rest. God is at peace within himself. God doesn't need anything to make him at peace. God himself is the author, the source, the king, the prince of peace. The kingdom, the kingdom over which he is Lord and God is a kingdom that should have the nature and characteristics of who he is. And part of his nature is to be at peace. And we should experience his peace. The peace of God, as it turns out, is our peace. Now, here's a, here's a second thing. It's on your outline, number two, and that is... There, there are counterfeits of peace. In fact, there are counterfeits for all of the fruit of the Spirit. There are three triune powers of evil in the world. Three things, the world, the flesh, and the devil. 
Those three things are contrary to the better plans and purposes of God. And so these three things, the world, the flesh, and the devil, they don't want you to know God. They work against you finding salvation and eternal hope through a relationship with Jesus Christ. They don't want you to have that. They don't want you to have an interaction with the person and work of the Holy Spirit. They don't, they don't want you to have a witness for the, of the goodness of God. They, they don't want you to have a, a sincere walk, an authentic walk with God. They don't want that for you. And so there are counterfeits that the world, the flesh, and the devil create to throw us off the track of the primary purposes of God. One, one counterfeit of peace is self-confidence. Now, how do I know that? This is a wild guess. <laughs> self-confidence often parades itself as peace. This is the person who believes that he has the ability to accomplish or perform or perfect any task or skill in life that's not experiencing that true peace. Now, the, the, the reason that that's deceptive and an error in thinking is by simply asking the question, what if he fails to accomplish, to perfect, to perform? Now, now he's in trouble. She's in trouble. If she is full of herself and believes she can manage everything that is contrary to peace in her life. So self-confidence can masquerade as authentic Authentic peace. Another counterfeit is induced extrapersonal peace. Uh, by that, I simply mean uh, people take drugs, they drink alcohol, they go from relationship to relationship, they create special events or circumstances, either victories or other successes in other areas of their life. People, people take drugs, not just for the momentary rush, but because in some of these cases, the chemical actually produces a sense of self confidence, of well being. And they think that's the peace they need, they want. Uh, in pastoral ministry now for all of these years, I've watched people chase other relationships trying to find peace. Men chasing after women in relationship, women chasing after men. I've seen this hundreds of times. A woman says to herself, if I could just find a man who will hold me, who will love me, who will make love to me, then I will be at peace. And when that doesn't happen, when that man doesn't come, then she says to herself, oh, I, the problem I have is I had the wrong man. And so she leaves that one and she pursues the next one because that is her hope. The things of this world, the, the flesh and the devil cannot bring enduring peace. Now you can fill your life with all these things and it will not bring peace. If you trust in your own capacity, your own talents, your own businesses, your own bank accounts, your phony relationships, mind-altering drugs, material possessions, then what will become of you and become of your peace when any or all of those things are gone? I wonder how many of you during this pandemic have gone out in your garage and put your hands on your golf clubs and prayed, oh God, oh God of golf. Please bring me peace. Or on your, put on your bass boat and bring me peace. Or your tennis racket. Or your charge card. Or your favorite online store. Or your investment por portfolio. And pray. Let me just tell you about these things. These gods, these idols are mute. They will not speak to you. They will not give you what you need. They will not produce peace.
A wife comes home and announces, I have uterine cancer. The doctor says, I have six months to live. And your life fills with grief and anxiety and fear. All those things are real. All those things are understandable. Let me tell you what else you can have. You can have peace that passes understanding and guards your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me put this on the screen. You cannot induce peace into your life from the outside. Can't do it. This is a fruit only of the Spirit. I'm helping somebody right now. Now, you can detect the lack of peace in your life. For example, there's a, uh, when there's a lack of peace, there's a tendency to be manipulative and controlling and domineering. You know, these are folks who are wounded, they're broken, and so they want to control the people around them, and, and, and they can't trust God with their own lives, so therefore they can't trust God with other people's lives, and so they become controlling this way. Uh, this, is why, this is why sons-in-law are constantly in trouble in the world, because <laughs> they, they just can't be trusted to do the right thing, and so someone has to manage them. It's a lack of peace. Um, you've heard the phrase, let go and let God. It's a good phrase. Let go and let God. Yeah, the earmark of the peace of God is seen in people who have trust in God about their own lives as well as the lives of others. If I can be at peace with God and his control of my life, I can also give that liberty to the other person. I don't have to control them, dominate them. Yeah. I, I've discovered in my life, maybe you have too, that God will rarely put his hand on something that I'm already gripping. So God, God basically says to us, uh, listen, I'll let you have whatever you choose. If you want to be fearful and, and worrisome and anxious, you can have that if you want it. Because if you're in a situation where you say, well, I just, you know, I, I'm just afraid and, and these are fearful times and I don't have... I don't have any means by which to think that it's not fearful. And so, so I'm just going to hang on to my fear. And God says, great, you got a hold of your fear? Fine. You don't have to grip fear or let fear grip you. You can trust me and let go of your fear, and I will replace it with peace. Because God, God rarely puts his hands on something that you are already gripping. <laughs> Is that too practical? Another uh, detection of the lack of peace is when people get angry and critical. Relationships dry up and die because there's no peace. There's no liberty in relationship because there's no peace. There's no trusting of the other. Um, people become sick. They suffer physically. Uh, when they don't trust and they don't have God's peace, anxiety grips them. And one thing leads to another. The immune system is affected by it. The stress impacts their immune system. And so they're susceptible and people get sick all the time because of this. People get depressed. Uh, I cannot act because I have no peace. I fall to lethargy and finally to self-pity, which will destroy me. I just read an article in the paper two weeks ago on despair. The numbers of people in our culture who are literally dying because they are in despair. Given these circumstances, the absence of peace. Well, these are some ways to detect the lack of it, but there are also results of peace. For example, peace restores perspective and restores balance and restores maturity. How good it is to once again find ourselves and the details of our lives in the hands of God. 
when we know that we've entrusted God with our lives in total, it brings balance and balance brings quiet confidence that leads me on to maturity and the peace of God. S simply surrendering to God. As a result of that, sound counsel can be offered. You know, like calm counsel. People run in our culture at breakneck pace for no good reason. So what we need do is to stop and reflect and seek the wisdom of God. Slow down. Experience God's peace. New parents, first-time parents, the three-month-old baby in the other room starts screaming in the middle of the night. The new dad, who's pretty worked up about this whole scenario, jumps up out of bed, runs toward the door of the bedroom. The door is half open, and he hits the door, creasing his head, knocking him to the ground. Blood starts running down his face. He's laying on the ground, moaning, holding his head. His wife calmly gets out of bed, walks over to the door, turns on the light, steps over her husband, stops and leans down and says, Honey, I'm going to go check on the baby now. And remember, this is the light switch. And she goes about her business. Calm counsel is a reflection of the peace of God. Relationships are strengthened because liberty always strengthens Freedom always strengthens relationship. Bondage, oppression, anxiety, control always weaken. Liberty, quiet, and confidence strengthens. The peace of God produces this. A peace in the life of the believer throughout frustrates the enemy. You may not be aware of this. I happen to believe in the devil. I believe that the devil is a real entity of evil, loose in the world, and that Jesus is going to deal with him once and for all, sometime future. In the meantime... Let me just tell you the best way I know to irritate the devil. Peace is the one thing the devil can't comprehend. No matter what he throws at you, if you still have peace, blows his mind. <laughs> and so it's just, a, it's just a great way to deal with the enemy when you have peace. And of course, it empowers my prayer life. Let me ask you, which prayer works best? Oh, God, please. You know, I've, I've done the best I can. You know, I really tried hard. So if you could just go through for me this one time. Is that prayer going to be effective? How about this one? God, I know you're in control. You've not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. And I'm resting in that right now. I know that you are in control. And you do all things well. And my circumstances aren't good right now. These are not happy times. But I believe you're with me. And so I pray for your presence and your provision, your protection, and your peace. Which one do you think Jesus is more inclined to? Yeah. So this is an evidence, a way you can detect the peace of God. The results of the peace of God. So look, we can't produce the peace of God from the outside in, but how can we increase the peace of God? Let's bring this sermon in for a landing now. Here's, here's the first thing. I'll put it on the screen. We can grow in righteousness. James chapter 3, verse 18. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by them that make peace. So here's what we learn. Grow in righteousness and you grow in peace. Grow in righteousness, grow in peace. Here's the second thing. In the double-mindedness, 
And this is, this is a challenge. James chapter 1, verse 18. A double-minded man is unstable in how many of his ways? <laughs> in all of his ways. In all of his ways. Double-minded. You know, consider what God thinks for one moment, and then consider what my teenage friend thinks the next moment. It's, it's not, a good, not a good course. Uh, Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. There it is. In the double-mindedness, think the thoughts of God, understand the words of God and the ways of God, and peace will come to you. Number three, remember that the peace of God is eternal. Nothing can take it from you. You didn't work it up. You didn't acquire it by possessing it, by achieving it, by earning it. It was given to you as, as the gift of God, the fruit of his spirit in your life. And it, so, so it is, it is the, the thing that God ministers to you. It's eternal because it's from God and nothing can take it from you. Here's fourthly, establish Christ's lordship in your life. Can you once and for all settle it? You know what I'm talking about. I find in our culture today that so many people give just enough of their life to God so that they won't be unhappy. Just enough. Because if I give him everything, you know, there's some things, if, I, if that weren't in my life, I couldn't be happy. I can't, I can't risk it. I can't risk giving God everything in my life because the stuff that I really think adds the spice to my life, the happiness of my life, then that would be lost. So I'll give God just enough of myself so I won't become unhappy. Really? So you buy that? You swallow that? You think that's true? That's ridiculous. That's just not true. That's not true. That's not good. That's not right. The only way you find the ultimate expression of the purposes of God for your life, the gift of your life, is by fully surrendering to him. Give him everything. That's where life is found. Unless a grain of, grain of wheat falls to the ground, it dies. It, bears, it, it, it remains alone. But, but when it dies, then it springs up and bears fruit. You want to find real life? Give your life away and find the real meaning purpose of your life. And then here's the fifth thing. You can increase your p- peace by receiving the Holy Spirit. That's where the peace comes from. John 14, 26 and 27, we've read those verses today. In order to receive the fruit of the Spirit, I must receive the Holy Spirit. Years ago, in the late 1800s, a great preacher of the gospel, D.L. Moody, talked about an insane asylum in Chicago where Moody lived. One pitiful man cried out day and night as he walked the halls of the asylum. And this is what the man said, day and night, in this place where people have lost touch with reality. He cried out, if only I had. If only I had. Had what? Something? Someone? Something else? Something more? If only I had. Can you imagine the asylum and this guy yelling this day and night? Robert Ruark wrote a novel years ago called Poor No More. 
It ends with a man who has built from nothing a massive carpet empire, textile empire, lawsuits and immorality. The man loses everything. He loses his wife. He loses his children. He loses his factories. He loses everything. He's left with nothing but the minor matter of a million dollars. He takes one million dollars cash, and in the last scene of the book, it's a fiction, no poor no more, the protagonist, this man, boards a plane and sits in first class. He's flying from North Carolina to California to start fresh. He comforts himself in the loss of his life, as he knows it, by saying, well, at least I have a million dollars. Now, let me just say, if the book had ended there, it would have been tolerable. But the last line of the book is, and I quote, but if only I had a little more. What a pitiful, horrible, ironic wretch. The howl of the world, which has no peace, constantly says, if I only had, if I only had more of this, more of that, done this, done that. Listen, there's nothing you can add to my life which will make me any more peaceful in God. And there is nothing you can take from my life which can deprive me of peace. Praise God. It's the truth, the peace of God. The reason is because my peace rests not in the things of this world, but in him who has promised to care for us, each one of us, eternally. And so the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Let's pause and pray about these things for a moment. Lord, we ask the question today, what can take my peace? The answer, nothing, nothing. The man with peace, the woman with peace walks quietly through the things of life, frustrating the devil, showing the glory of God, bringing praises upon the Savior, strengthens those who are around them, ennobling relationships, liberating others to grow. That person walks in balance, perspective, maturity, and holiness. They show forth the glory of God. This is the peace that passes understanding and the fruit of the Spirit. Let me ask you something today, friend. Are you trying to make yourself calm? <laughs> Are you trying to make yourself anxiety-free? Trying to make yourself worry-free? Free of fear? Are you trying to manufacture this peace in your life? Let me ask you this question. Have you received the Holy Spirit? If your answer is yes, rest in the goodness of God. And if no then receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. This is the peace that Jesus has promised and you can receive. Maybe you're a person today and this peace has eluded you because you've never really received the Prince of Peace. You've never said yes to Jesus to become your Savior and your Lord. You've never given your life to him. And this is the first step, the step perhaps you need to take this very day. If that's true for you, could I just encourage you, put courage in you 
to turn away from the things that have so easily entangled your life and kept you from God's best plan and that you would turn now to the good and purposeful plan of God for your life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let me pray with you. I'm gonna pray a prayer right now. You pray it in your heart or pray it out loud right where you are. Just say it out loud and God will hear your prayer. I promise he will. Gracious God of heaven, I am a sinner. I've made lots of mistakes. I've missed the mark. But today, in this moment, I need your peace. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. On the third day, he rose from the dead. And today he lives. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse my life. I give my life to you. I receive you now and the life you offer. I give you mine. It now belongs to you. I receive your peace and the hope you can provide. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, listen, we wanna help you, help you take the next step. And all you have to do is take your, take your smartphone and send this text, one, two, three, go, that message to the number 94000. One, two, three, go to 94000 and we'll be in touch with you. Perhaps you're uh, listening today, participating in our service and you have some other need in your life. Maybe you need to talk to someone, need someone to pray for you. Maybe you have a, a practical physical need in your life. Uh, there are, there's a menu of things there at that same text number, 123GO94000. And you can select from that menu and we'll be in touch with you. God bless you all.